Well, let's turn in our Bibles now to the book of Romans, Romans chapter 12 and verse 2 will be our sermon passage for this morning. There have always been voices vying for our attention and seeking to shape us according to the world's mold. But if anything, those voices are now more pervasive, more persistent, and therefore potentially more problematic than ever before. As One recent article puts it, a church's worship habits may occupy two hours of a Christian's week, but podcasts, radio shows, cable news, social media, streaming entertainment, and other forms of media account for upwards of 90 hours of their week. That 90 hours a week number is based on information about how a crisis, like the one that we're in right now, tends to increase people's media consumption. It's just an estimate, but even if that estimate is high, the point stands. We have never before had so many ways to receive so much information from so many sources so instantaneously. We even encounter news and ads in places we would rather not encounter news and ads and politics. Uh, 20 years ago, if you turned on the news, you'd see news, 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 and then maybe at the end, a sweet cat video. Now you might go to Facebook just looking for some cat videos, and what do you get? News, 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 right? It's everywhere. The very place Uh, again, that we will want to escape all the noise from the newsrooms, sometimes becomes just another way for the world to try to force upon us its thoughts, its opinions, its views. And uh, in some ways, uh, the same thing has happened in sports, for good or for ill. Right? There are very few places now that you can uh, find sort of a neutral zone where someone's not trying to persuade you of something. Now, Paul didn't know about social media when he wrote Romans 12, but he didn't need to know. Because the problem is not new, it's just more pervasive. Paul and those in his day faced similar voices, similar pressures. We just have the problem escalated today. But the script is still the same. The world is trying to conform us to its image But God is working to conform us to Christ's image. We are sitting on an anvil and the world is hammering away. But if we resist, that anvil becomes an altar. Our resistance and renewal are part of our reasonable worship of the God of mercy who has made us new. So how do we resist? How are we renewed? How do we put up a reasonable fight against the pressures of the world seeking to conform us to its image that we might instead reflect more and more the image of Christ? That's what Paul wants to tell us this morning in Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. The principles and priorities of the Christian life have not changed in 2,000 years. 
but the challenges to those principles and priorities are always shifting. So what we're going to see this morning from the Apostle Paul is one principle that is timeless, one priority that is timeless, and then we will talk about some timely applications of that principle and that priority that works uh, specifically for our time and our place. So let's look together at Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. Paul says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Now remember, the context here in Romans is that Paul has laid out for us in um, the most thorough way he does anywhere in the New Testament, the gospel of the grace of God in Jesus Christ. He spent eight chapters talking about our need for the gospel, the reality of the gospel, how the gospel changes and transforms and assures us. He spent uh, three chapters in 9 and 10 and 11 explaining how God has remained faithful to his promises despite the unbelief of the Jews. And he has uh, put on display for us the wisdom of God and his plan to save people from both Jews and uh, from both the Jews and the Gentiles. And then in chapter 12, he says, in light of all that mercy that God has shown us. In light of all that grace that God has showered upon us, here is how we ought to respond to Him. Our reasonable response to the abundant mercy of God is to give our whole life to God as a living sacrifice. And verse 2 is the first verse that begins to spell out for us what that looks like. How do we offer to God our whole lives? How do we live as living sacrifices? Well, Paul explains by giving us two commands at the beginning of verse 2. And those two commands are really two sides of the same coin. The first command is, do not be conformed to this world. And the second command is, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. So first he says, do not be conformed. As we said at the beginning, the world is constantly seeking to shape you, to conform you to its image, to its way of thinking. It it wants you to be out of sync with God's will and God's word and God's ways. It wants you to be in sync with its will and its ways and, and the things that it is saying. And if we are not actively resisting the pressures of the world, then we are being conformed to the world. Because the message of the world is simply the air we breathe. Unless you somehow have cut yourself off from every form of media and most of the people in the world, then then you are breathing the world's air. You are hearing and absorbing the world's messages all the time. It's preaching to you about politics, about morality, about money, about the good life. It's trying to tell you how to live, what to love, what to think, etc., etc. 
You and I are like pieces of iron on an anvil being hammered on over and over and over and over. And one blow might not do much. But the more blows you take, the more you are gradually being reshaped. The less you resist and put up a fight, the more you are being shaped into whatever the world wants you to be. So instead of being conformed to the image of the world, Paul says, we must be transformed. Now this is not an instantaneous, one moment kind of thing that happens. This transformation is a process. Uh, Paul is talking here about the same thing uh, that we talk about when we use the word sanctification. Right? Sanctification is the process of becoming more and more holy. That's what sanctify means, or to make something holy, to set it apart for the Lord. So sanctification is this process. Once you become a Christian, that's an instantaneous uh, thing that happens in a moment. You're converted, you're saved, and then you begin the process of growing into Christ's likeness. And Paul says that is what we ought to be pursuing when he speaks of transformation. Be transformed. We ought to be seeking to be more and more and more made into the image of Christ rather than into the image of the world. Paul talks about this in 2 Corinthians 3.18 when he says, We all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed, same word, into the same image from one degree of glory to another. It's not an instantaneous transformation into the perfect image of Christ. We are one degree at a time, little by little, being made more and more like Christ as we fix our eyes on Him. Paul talks about the same thing in Ephesians chapter 4 at greater length when he says um, to a group of Christians, he says, that is not the way you learned Christ, talking about the sinful ways of the world. That's not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, this is how you're transformed, put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So we are in this process of transformation, this process of sanctification, and the way that we resist becoming more and more like the world is by pursuing transformation so that we are more and more like Christ. We put off our old way of life, our old way of thinking, our old way of doing things, and we put on the new self. We pursue Christ's likeness. We seek to do what God uh, wants us to do, what honors Him, what pleases Him, and so on. This is part of how we worship. This is part of how we give our lives wholly and totally to God is by pursuing this path of transformation. Now, How does this transformation take place? How do we resist the world's pressure to conform us to its image? What can we do to help uh, foster that transformation into the image of Christ? Well, Paul tells us here in verse 2. He says, be transformed. How? 
by the renewal of your mind. So your life is changed as your thinking is renewed. Again, the world is pursuing your transformation in the same way. Through the things that you hear, through the things that you think, through the things that you uh, encounter in advertising and and all all kinds of different uh, methods of of preaching at you, right? It's all coming in your ears, right? And entering your mind and your heart. And if you let it, it is transforming you. And sometimes even if you're not aware of it, it's transforming you. So how do you, instead of being transformed by the world, be transformed by the Lord? Well, you renew your mind. And the way you renew your mind is by taking in truth, right, instead of the world's lies and half-truths. So we are renewed, we're transformed by the renewal of our minds. Paul said the same thing in that verse we just read from Ephesians 4, when he said that we are to be renewed in the spirit of our minds. So renewal is something that begins with what we take in through our ears, through our minds, through our hearts. Renewal is a choice. Renewal is a process that we must choose to pursue over and over and over. If you go back to that image of the iron and the anvil, if your mind and your life are like a piece of iron that's being hammered on an anvil by the world, the way you renew your mind and therefore transform your life is by putting yourself under a different hammer. Under a different influence. Under a different shaping power. Jeremiah describes the word of God as a hammer in a a different context. But in Jeremiah 23-29, he says, Is not my word like fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces? God's word is powerful, the Bible says. It's living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. If we put ourselves under the influence of God's word, of God's truth, and we are reminded what is true, and we are reminded of what God has done, and we are reminded of what God has called us to, then that truth that comes into our minds and hearts then shapes the way that we live and transforms our lives. So the key to transformation, rather than being conformed, to the pattern of the world is being careful and mindful and intentional about what we take in and specifically about giving ourselves to uh, the practice of taking in God's truth so that our minds might be renewed. As one person said in a slightly different context. He said, he said, we must strive with all effort possible to study the Bible as a whole and to read, reread, meditate on, memorize, and pray over the text of Scripture. What part of the Bible you read or how much you read or what time of the day you read is not as important as the habit of reading or listening to the Bible regularly. Make it a habit somewhere in your day to take in undiluted truth from God. Take in 
Right? A full dose, if you will, of the truth from the Bible. We get, you know, we get some truth from Christian friends and other sources, but you need to hear God Himself speaking the undiluted truth on a daily basis. Right? So whether that's uh, you know, listening to the Bible in your car on the way to work or in the morning while you're fixing breakfast or if you uh, get some time alone in the beginning of the day or the middle of the day or the end of the day or all three times of the day. Well, whatever it is, whether you read a psalm a day or a paragraph from the Gospels or you know, a chapter from one of the epistles or, or all three or something different, whatever you're doing, It doesn't matter so much when you do it or how much of it, but the fact that you are doing it consistently, that's the main thing. You need to be taking in God's Word regularly. And we all need help thinking about what's going on in the world from a biblical perspective. If we are living in this world, and we are, and there's all these things going on around us, and we're hearing all kinds of opinions and perspectives about what's going on, and what we ought to want to go on, and what we ought to think about what's going on, and so on and so on, one of the things we need to learn is how to respond to what's going on and think about what's going on in a way that is biblical instead of in a way that is in line with what the world says. So find Christian teachers and Christian sources that will help you think about what's going on in the world in a biblical way. Right? That's not nearly as important as taking in the Bible consistently, but it is helpful right, to have Christian perspectives on what's going on in the world, shaping your thinking as well. So we need to resist being conformed to the world, pursue transformation into the, uh, the image of Christ, and we do that by our minds being renewed. And here's the purpose for doing that. The purpose for doing that, Paul says in verse 2, is that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and Perfect. Now this is, or at least ought to be, our priority. What is God's will? What does God want us to do? What is pleasing to God? What will glorify God? That's what we ought to desire to know and to do. And Paul says we need to be transformed so that we can discern what God's will is. If you are not having your mind renewed by Scripture so that your life is being transformed to be more and more like Christ, it's going to be very difficult for you to discern what is pleasing to God. If most of what you're taking in and most of what you're being shaped by is worldly thinking, it will be very easy for you to confuse what you want or what the world wants with what you think God wants. The way we come to learn what God wants is by taking in Scripture regularly, faithfully, and then by attempting to apply Scripture to our life and by testing, we learn, we grow in our ability to discern what is the will of God? Now, 
Since Paul says this is something we learn by testing, right, by discerning, he's not talking mainly here about the parts of God's will that are really, really plain in Scripture. Right? Like, don't commit adultery. That's in black and white in the Bible, and you don't have to go to a Bible study to figure out how to apply that. It's really plain, right? But there are a lot of things where we don't have a verse that tells us what to do. There are a lot of specific areas in our life where we, we know we're supposed to love our neighbor, but how? How in this situation? How with this family member? How with this circumstance in my life? How with this thing going on in the culture? What does it look like to love my neighbor in this way, at this time, in this scenario? We don't have a verse for every single one of those. How do I glorify God in this trial that I'm experiencing? Well, some of the principles are spelled out pretty clearly, but some of the specifics, again, are rather difficult to discern. If you've been a Christian for a long time, and you look back, you can probably see how your uh, discernment, your ability to recognize what God wants you to do, has grown over time. Or if you um, know some mature Christians, maybe somebody who's been a Christian a lot longer than you, and, and maybe you've noticed that they just seem to know the right thing to do, or the right thing to say. Why is that? Well, it's probably not just because they know more of the Bible than you, although they might. But it's because they have had many more years of practice where they said, I, I, you know, there were times where I thought I was doing what God wanted me to do. And then later I realized eh, that was probably not the right thing to say, not the right thing to do, not the right response. I, I've learned the more I've read the Bible, the more my life has been transformed, the more I've you know, sort of made decisions and, and sometimes made the right decision and sometimes made the wrong decision. I have come to know better what it is that God wants me to do and recognize what God wants me to do in specific situations. What is it that God wants us to do? How, what, what's even the criteria that we use to measure uh, and recognize what God's will is. He says that the will of God is what is good and acceptable and perfect. Right? What is good is um, not the same thing as what our culture always says is good. Right? What God says is good. How do we know what God says is good? Well, we study the scriptures. We have our minds renewed. We come to know more and more. We, we watch Jesus. How does he interact with with people who are hostile, with people who are friendly? How, how does he treat people who are outsiders? And, out, and we, we learn, we learn, we learn what it is that is good, what is acceptable or pleasing. This is the same word from verse 1 where he talked about uh, us being living sacrifices, holy and, and acceptable to God. What is acceptable is those things that you can bring before the Lord and know that he will be pleased with. This is what I did. This is what I said. This is how I responded. And God would say, that's good. That's pleasing. And what is perfect, right? What is complete? What is the, the fullness, perhaps, of what we should do? So um, that's what Paul says we ought to be aiming at. 
Right? The principle is don't be conformed to the world, but instead be transformed as your mind is renewed by God's truth. And the reason you need to do that is so that you can discern what God's will is. Now, how do we put that principle and that priority into practice in our particular time and place? I've got seven applications for you. Right? Seven uh, brief considerations uh, for how you might put this into practice. So these don't come with the full authority of Scripture, right? but these are ways that might help you put into practice what Scripture says. So here's the first thing. Be mindful of what you are exposing yourself to and how much and when. Everybody's different. How much you can handle, how much you can take in before you start to get angry or before you start to get depressed or before you start to get hateful or before you start to say things that you probably shouldn't say. Uh, There may be certain times of the day where you're more susceptible to react uh, negatively or absorb uh, negatively some some things that are are worldly and, and unhelpful and ungodly. Be mindful of how much you're taking in, how much you can handle, when you're taking it in. Right? Number two, leverage your time and technology for transformation. You don't have to use all your time, all your free time for reading the Bible, or all your free time for listening to Christian music, or all your free time listening to Christian podcasts, or whatever. But use some of it for that. Take advantage of the fact that you can listen to the Bible or read the Bible anywhere in the world at just about any time just with your phone or you can turn on the radio and listen to uh, faithful preaching or Christian music you don't have to do that all day every day but it would be wise to find places in your day when you can use your time and use your technology for the renewal of your mind Maybe put on some music as you're getting ready in the morning that's going to remind you of what's true and what's pleasing to God and what's acceptable and what's good. Maybe, um, you know, listen to a a Christian news program that will help you think about what's going on in the world from a biblical perspective. Leverage your time and technology for transformation. Number three, do not view... News and social media as neutral. Almost everything in the world that we encounter is either negative or positive. All of it is having some kind of effect on us for good or for ill. So one of the things that we are tempted to do, right, is to go to social media, for example, and think this is just neutral, brain-free Downtime, But we know it's not. We've learned by experience it's not. But we keep thinking of it that way. We want it to be that way. We want it to be just, you know, I'm just going to veg out and look at Facebook or Instagram or whatever. But those are not neutral places. Those are places where, depending on who you follow and who you're paying attention, you know, it can be negative or it can be positive. Right? You can encounter scripture there, or you can encounter worldly thinking. It just depends on who you're encountering, who you're following, who you're listening to. But don't view it as neutral. 
Right? Number four, find a way to daily renew your mind and commit to it. Right? Find a way. If you don't have a daily way to input God's truth into your life, you need to find one and you need to stick with it. And as I said before, it doesn't matter when it is. It doesn't have to be at 6 o'clock in the morning. It could be at 9 o'clock at night. It could be over your lunch break. It could be while you're driving to work. It could be anytime, just about any place. But find some place and some time and stick to it. And if you miss a day, just get back on it the next day. But the habit of having your mind renewed day after day is the important thing. Number five. If you discover that the news or social media is overriding biblical truth in your mind and in your life, then find ways to limit them and fight for those limits and not against those limits. If you find that you are uh, flipping on the news or you know following the news on some kind of social media or you're you know going to unhelpful maybe social media stuff and you're encountering that two, three, four, five, six hours a day off and on all throughout the day and your blood pressure is high and your attitude is down and it's just start cutting some of that stuff out. Start setting limits. 30 minutes of news a day. No more. Or an hour of news and no more. Whatever it needs to be for you. Cut it down to where it's manageable, to where it's reasonable, to where it's not overwhelming your life. Because if you, if you have the news on or some other programs on all day long, again, the longer you're on that anvil, the longer you're under that hammer, the more it's going to affect you. And so if you notice that it's affecting you too much, cut it back. Number six, if necessary... Take the app off your phone, find a different show to listen to or watch or whatever it is, wherever the problems are, get radical if necessary to take back your mind and your time. And finally, number seven, check yourself by asking, what is my goal? What's my aim today? What, what am I seeking to do with this time, with this technology, with this life that I've been given? Is my goal to know and do God's will? Or has my goal become to fit in with the culture or a particular tribe or a particular party or a particular plat- platform or a particular group or whatever? Evaluate yourself. See how your mind is being shaped because sometimes... The forces that shape us are so subtle at first that we don't even realize until we're way downstream that we've just been floating along with what everybody else wanted us to think and do and feel and we've lost track of what it is that God wants us to do. So this moment that we're in, this season of craziness, that we're in, though it doesn't feel like it, it's going to pass eventually. The election is going to be over. The pandemic is going to be over eventually. But they're not going to end without this crazy season attempting to make its mark on us and conform us to the world's patterns of thinking and living. So let's resist 
by renewing our minds with the truth of God's word. So we'll be transformed more and more into the image of God so that we can better discern and do God's will. After all, that's our prayer, right? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what we want. And it has to start with us. Let's pray.